Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 1, reading from verses 39 to 56, and this can be found on page 1026 of the Church Bibles. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all nations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these, your words to us. We thank you that these are words of eternal life, words in which you make yourself known to us in all your glory. We pray that as we spend this time in Luke chapter 1 now, you would help us to see more of your glory, to respond um, in the way that you want by giving you praise, by finding our joy satisfaction in Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Well, this is one of the familiar Christmas passages. Most years, I think I read this in the run-up to Christmas, but this year it struck me a little differently, especially the bit in verse 41 where it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. I think many of you know, Chihei and I are expecting a baby very soon, within weeks now. Um, but even before the birth, babies can... I'm actually learning lots about babies, as you might, <laughs> as you might be able to tell. But even before birth, babies can hear and recognize voices and jump in response. They can start to react to the world outside, and they start to... Yeah, develop their own patterns of when they do that. And one of the interesting things about our baby is that the times when we can most get the most reliable reaction of kicking are about this time on a Sunday morning when Julian is preaching. <laughs> and about, this t- and a- <laughs> about 6.30 on a Sunday evening when I'm preaching. It's obviously a pastor's kid. Um, now, I don't know if that's a spiritual thing or if it's just, just a physical thing of familiar male voices through a good sound system. Um, 
but Psalm 139 does say that God knitted us together in the womb, that he knows us even before we are born, that, that he was there, he was the one who made us, and he, he knew us from that point. And here Elizabeth sees that there is this, this particular big leap of the baby in her womb. It is a reaction to a spiritual event that has taken place, that to, to the spiritual event of Jesus coming, of the Lord coming. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit here, and I take that to mean that what she says after that is inspired by the Spirit, that her interpretation of her baby's jump in the womb is shaped by the Spirit. And we're going to look at three different reactions to the coming of the Lord Jesus in this passage. We're going to see the unborn baby's reaction. We'll see Elizabeth's reaction, and we're going to see Mary's. And from each in turn, we will start to learn more about this baby in Mary that they are reacting to. The verses we read last week, the announcement of the birth of this child, they focus very much on who Jesus is. Now we start to add to that what Jesus does. With the angel's announcement, we heard that this baby will be great. Here we are going to start to hear some of the great things that he will do. And each reaction, it kind of builds up, it increases in complexity. But each, we shouldn't lose sight of, is essentially the same reaction, is each of the same kind. So let's start with Elizabeth's baby. We'll begin with the simplest form of reaction. To Jesus and for Elizabeth's baby, that the reaction that the Lord is here is to jump for joy. This baby, when he's born, will be called John. He will grow up to be John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way for the coming of Jesus. All that faith, all that service of the Lord lies in his future, though. At this point, all that he can do, the one way that he has to express himself in response to the Lord coming, is to jump. And so jump, he does. And the point is, there is nobody for whom the coming of Jesus should not provoke some kind of response. If even an unborn child can react, the rest of us have no excuse. At whatever capacity we have to respond to the coming of the Lord, there has to be some kind of reaction in us. We can't simply just scroll past this news. We can't tune to another channel. We have to react. And the right reaction in this passage, the one that Luke, the author, wants to commend to us, is a reaction of joy. Another baby thing I learned over the last few months. Apparently, babies in the womb share not only their mother's body, but also their mother's emotional life. So if mum is sad, then baby will feel sad. If mum is happy, baby's happy too. And Elizabeth, again guided by the Spirit, sees that there is kind of a spiritual version of this going on. This, this beautiful moment in which her unborn child can access and share in her joy at the coming of the Lord. And so she says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby 
in my womb leaped for joy. So if there are any unborn babies listening today, here's your application. Jump. (laughs) Jesus is here. Jump. For those of us outside the womb, it's probably a little bit more than needs to be said. The church is not a place where we come each week simply to jump up and down a bit and do nothing else. Although, a bit of jumping, nothing wrong with it. But we do well never to lose sight of that, that very basic, ideal, pure response that this baby has to the coming of the Lord. This unborn child who knows nothing of being afraid of what people will think of him unreservedly leaps as if to leap towards Jesus. Let's not lose sight of that. Let's let that be part of our response to Jesus this Christmas, that as he made this great leap down from heaven to come to us, so we too can make a leap of joy towards him in response. At its most simple, the response that the Lord is here is to jump for joy. Let's now build on that. Let's turn to Elizabeth's response and add another layer on top of that. That same instinct of joy is there, but as a grown adult, of course, she can express more of the complexity of what Jesus' coming means to her. If John's response is joy that the Lord is here. Elizabeth adds something to that. She adds that this is joy that the Lord is here with us. She says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She is in awe that this is happening to her. Why am I so favored? What did I do to deserve to be caught up in this awesome moment It's like she's won the grand prize in a competition she didn't even know she'd entered. You know these competitions where children get to meet their favorite footballer or their favorite film star or something. And they they, they meet them and they come before them and they, they might be quite lively, excited before. And then they come and then they're just stunned into silence. They don't know what to say that they're... Their hero has just leaped off the screen and is right there in front of them. It's the same reaction that that Elizabeth is having here. Elizabeth and Mary, they're, they're cousins from small towns in a small country. In the world's eyes, they're nobodies. Yet they're sharing this precious moment where God himself is in the room with them. God himself is in Mary's womb. And led by the Spirit, Mary, Elizabeth understands enough of this to be staggered by it. She knows that the baby inside Mary is her Lord. That thought blows her mind as indeed it should. Her cousin is about to give birth to God, to be feeding, to be changing, to be toilet training the Lord Almighty. The Lord is here with us. He has actually come to us. And we too can share in that joy. Of course, not that that we get to have it in exactly the same way as Elizabeth and Mary did, but 
we each do have the Lord Jesus enter our lives personally, that the Spirit enters each of our hearts to let us know that the Lord is here with you too. Perhaps that's a reminder that some of us need to hear this Christmas. The Lord is here with you. There was nothing special about you. You were not a king or a queen. You were not a celebrity. You were not the smartest. You're not the richest. You're not the most influential. You're not the most pure. You're not the most religious. And yet God has come to you. He chose you to hear the good news of Jesus. He chose you to receive the gift of his son. And in doing so, to be welcomed into his family. To know what it is to be loved forever with an undying, everlasting love. John's joy is that the Lord is here. Elizabeth's joy is that the Lord is here with us. And Mary builds on that even more. The Lord is here to lift us. Again, Mary's reaction is of the same kind as John's and Elizabeth's. She still has that same joy. She sings, my spirit rejoices. She still has that same sense of awe at being caught up in all this. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Verse 46 says, Mary said, but I think we can safely take this as Mary sang. You'll see it's laid out on your Bible like it's a poem, like it's a song. And this is in the finest traditions of poems and songs in the Bible. It seems Mary has, has been familiar with those, has internalized those, and has drawn on a lot of other biblical songs as she sings her song. So when she begins, my soul glorifies The Lord, you can see that as a a kind of fulfillment of everything Psalm 103 sings of when it begins, praise the Lord, my soul. The psalm longs for that, appeals to the soul to be able to do that, and Mary is able to do that. My soul glorifies the Lord. She also echoes in many ways Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2. This is also another song by a humble, faithful woman with a miracle child from God. She also draws, I think, on Psalm 2 and on Daniel, where God sweeps aside proud kings like pieces on a chessboard. But she's not just repeating Bible verses because it's the right thing to do. She's not just trying to kind of prove her, her credentials as a good Christian songwriter by dropping in as many Bible references as she possibly can. This is her heart's song. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It is John's leap in the womb brought to its mature expression. True Christmas joy is given shape by the words of the Bible as God reveals to us what it is that we have to be joyful about. The mature version of joy responds not only to who the Lord is, but to the great things that he does as well. Outside of church, of course, we all know there's no shortage of sentimental ideas about the meaning 
of Christmas, of Christmas advertisements on TV filled with a kind of flattened out view of the joy of Christmas, this two-dimensional view of of the, the joy that is to be found in being generous or in getting stuff from other people. Or the joy that is to be found in in having your family and your friends together. And these things are not necessarily bad things. But if we're not careful, we can let that that two-dimensional view of joy creep into the way that we respond to the coming of the Lord. He came more than just to remind us that family is important. He came more than just to to teach us about generosity. And focusing on what Jesus actually came to do will, I think, lead us to a greater leap of joy. But to get there, we need first to deal with the theme of Mary's song. I think the theme is this, that the Lord has come to turn our world upside down. There's a kind of X shape in this song. There are two lines crossing over in this song. There is is the humble who start lowly like Mary, the humble and low, who are then lifted up high. But equally, there's another line of those who are proud, those who are in the high places, who are then brought down low. It is up with the humble. Mary begins the song with her own blessedness with the great things the Lord has done for me as my savior. But she quickly widens it out beyond herself. This is not just a song about Mary, the individual, in her blessedness. Yes, Mary is blessed. But in verse 50, his mercy extends not just to Mary, but to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary could be tempted to, be, to think that because this amazing thing is happening to her, she is better than everyone else. She is the one carrying the Lord Jesus after all. But she knows this is bigger than her. God is mindful not only of Mary, but of those like Mary. Those who we saw last week who have the humility, who have faith to hear God's words and say, may it be so. Let your word to me be fulfilled. Go for it, God. But the flip side of up with the humble is that Jesus' coming also means down with the proud. In verse 51, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. The rich he has sent away empty. And in order to really access the kind of the fullness, if you will, of Christmas joy, we need to know that the Lord is here not only to lift up the humble, but to cast down the proud. He never does one without also doing the other. And that's actually great comfort and joy to those who are being oppressed by the proud, those who are victims of the pride of others. And if that's you, if you have been suffering because of the pride of someone else, there is comfort to be found here, knowing 
that one day your time will come, that you will one day be free of this, that the wrongs that have been done to you will be made right. If that's you today, I hope that you can find some joy, or if not joy, at least comfort in the expectation that that day will come. But if you are proud, this song comes across differently. If you are proud, this is a warning shot. Bringing down the proud is God's long-term project. He is committed to it. He is able to do it. Mary sees this echo throughout the past. Like for Hannah, like, for, like in Daniel's time where God did scatter proud leaders and kings. She also sees it in her present moment. In God choosing her rather than the wealthy, rather than the powerful the influential. God has undermined the expectations. He has gone against the inmost thoughts of those who have power in this world. And I think Mary's words also anticipate a future. They anticipate Jesus' own promises and warnings, which we read of in Luke 6. Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now. You will go hungry. song looks forward to the final fulfillment of this lifting up and casting down to the day when all tears will be wiped away when Jesus returns again to fill all stomachs to the new creation where the humble will be once and for all lifted up forever where the broken will be healed and made new but on that day too the proud will be brought low forever. The proud will be thrown down by judgment. When Jesus returns again, the arrogant, the powerful, the influential will come tumbling off their thrones. God's scattering of the proud, it builds up in the Bible to this crescendo at the end. He is committed to this. It's there in the past, it's there in the present, and it will be there in the future too. But this is not only a warning for those who are rulers on thrones. This is not only a message for world leaders, for CEOs, for celebrities, for those with influence over others. Mary reminds us in her song that pride is not only in our outward circumstances and our behavior. Pride is also in our inmost thoughts. And if God coming scatters the proud, then nothing is going to block our Christmas joy like pride in our hearts, like being found in that group 
that is going to be thrown down. If we want to find Christmas joy, then this song invites us to search our hearts with honesty, to search our inmost thoughts and ask, is there pride here? Am I going my own way here? Am I sure that there's no attitude here where I think I know better than God, where I think I know better than everyone else? I think I am better. But there is a way in this song too for us to be brought down from pride without being thrown down forever. If we are proud, I think Mary's song, it works to bring us down in a way that doesn't destroy us. I was trying to think of a way to explain this. Imagine that you're changing a light bulb, that you have a bulb that you want to change into another socket. It's not broken, it's not dead. You just want to move it to a different place. First of all, you need to stand on the chair and to take the bulb out. It has to come down from the light fitting, and there are two ways that can happen. Either you can drop it, or you can bring it gently down, lay it on a table, ready to be put into the new place. This song is God gently lowering us down from pride so that he can lift us up again with the humble. And the way that happens is through God's mercy. Mary reassures us at the beginning of her song that God's mercy extends to all who fear him from generation to generation. If there is pride there in your heart, God's mercy extends to you too. And she ends the song, too, with praise that God has remembered his promises to be merciful. He's remembered to be merciful forever, just as he promised. This, too, God is committed to throughout all history. And so if we want to avoid being thrown down forever by the Lord's judgment, we need to allow ourselves to be lowered down gently by the Lord's mercy, so he can lift us up with the humble. Mary, in her song, makes much of God's mercy because this is why the Lord came to us. This is the great thing that he came to do. As John puts it in John 3.17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mercy and salvation come because the Lord has come to us. Come down all the way to join us in the humble lives of Elizabeth and Mary. Come down further still to represent us on the cross. The Lord Jesus came to be thrown down for the proud. To take pride's punishment so that the proud who turn to him can see mercy. As we look to the cross, we see the price of pride has been paid for us. The one who had no reason to be thrown down has come down to be thrown down for us. 
as we see the Lord Jesus come to take that on himself willingly in love, we find ourselves gently lowered down from the heights of our pride, like a bulb being carefully unscrewed, set down on the table. And as that happens, I think we can join Mary in rejoicing in God, my Savior, as we come to understand that each of us for ourselves, we can each sing of God, my Savior, the one who extends mercy to me. We can join Elizabeth in that sense of, why am I so favored? What did I do to deserve this? And in that freedom of forgiveness, I think we can find once again that pure joy of unborn John, that instinctive leap towards Jesus again. And actually in humbling ourselves before the Lord who has come in this way, we stumble upon that prize that in our pride we longed for. When we're proud, we want to see ourselves as great. We want for others to see us as great, as precious, as of high value, as of great importance. And we might think that, therefore, humility means the opposite, that we need to be seen as nothing. But it's far from that. Does Mary feel worthless here? No. She feels valued, she feels precious, she feels beloved. The Lord has been mindful of her. The Lord who created all things has been mindful of her. Does Elizabeth feel insignificant? No, she feels so favored that the Lord is here with her. As we're lowered down by mercy, we're actually lifted up, we're screwed into a new socket, we're lifted up to shine even brighter than ever as we rejoice that the Lord has lifted us up into this new place, this place of meaning, of significance. I hope that this Christmas, this will be the song of our hearts too, that as we are humbled by the coming of Christ, that our souls can be lifted up to join Mary, to join Elizabeth, to join John in that joy that the Lord has come to lift us up. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you came to us, that you, the Lord Almighty, the God who created and sustains and commands all things, came to us, to us. We thank you that you came not simply to be with us, but to die for us, to take the price of our pride, to humble us, that you might lift us up to a place where We are loved beyond our wildest dreams. We thank you that this is your intention for us, that this is your work for us that you have done. We pray that you will help each of us find joy in that. Amen.